Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that I've grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. I hope you had a safe and happy Thanksgiving. We've got a great couple of guests lined up for you today. Alice Milligan, the Chief Marketing Officer for Morgan Stanley, joined Sports Business Radio for a wide-ranging conversation about her path to success, as well as how to build a trustworthy brand. As CMO of Morgan Stanley, Alice oversees the firm's global brand strategy and go-to market platform, encompassing all marketing campaigns, sponsorship assets, and digital properties. She's a key member of the firm's leadership team and is leading a significant marketing transformation to help propel Morgan Stanley into the future as a prosperous house of brands following the acquisition of brands like Solium Capital, Eaton Vance, and E-Trade. Prior to her current role, Alice was EVP and Chief Customer Officer for E-Trade, where she oversaw the firm's brand, marketing, retail products, digital customer experience, and analytics. Previously, Alice was the Chief Digital Client Experience Officer for Citi's U.S. Consumer Bank, where she reimagined the end-to-end strategy, design, and delivery of the bank's digital channels. She also garnered more than 25 years of increasingly senior marketing and digital experience at leading brands like American Express, Coach, and AT&T. Milligan also shares insight on the best ways to manage time. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment's efforts to provide financial literacy to athletes and entertainers. Morgan Stanley's global partnership with the WTA and the importance of women leadership in sport and financial services industries. Also joining us this week on Sports Business Radio is Leela Serenivasan. She's the CEO of Parity. Parity is minority founded in 2020, and their mission is to close the gender income and opportunity gap in professional sports. Parity achieves this mission by developing high-impact campaigns and collaborations between brands, pro-women athletes, and their fans. Parity works with over 850 women athletes across more than 70 sports, from archery to weightlifting. This week's edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, the exclusive financial partner of Sports Business Radio. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? 
Doing great. And it's nice to be back doing a live show again, being been a couple of weeks off. So it's good to be on, back on with you. And, uh, you know, I love digging into two brilliant women's minds. Like these two uh, are doing great things in the world of sport and, uh, and with women especially. And uh, it's just fun to hear some stories and dig into their careers. Yeah, two really powerful women, senior leaders in the sports and business world. I've wanted to have Alice on specifically for a long time. I mean, you look at the brands that she's worked for, Morgan Stanley now, obviously, E-Trade, American Express, AT&T. Those are some really strong brands. And I think our listeners today will find some really tangible takeaways on how to build trustworthy brand and just how Alice does her job, manages her time and, and her path to success. All right, Griggs. We've been doing this show for almost 20 years. 2024 is our 20th year. This next month, including this show, I think might be our strongest month of guests that we've had consecutively. So obviously, we've got Alice and Leela coming up on our show today. Next week, December 5th, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver is my scheduled guest. We've got this new in-season tournament. We've got a new media rights deal on the horizon. So many things to discuss about the global presence of the NBA. Adam Silver was on stage with me at the 2017 Sports PR Summit in New York. Um, this is going to be the first time he's on Sports Business Radio with me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, a very timely conversation with Adam Silver. So that's coming up on December 5th. On December 12th, if I had to pick the top two or three most powerful executives in college sports, this person would be on the list. It's SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, the Southeastern Conference, Georgia, Alabama. They've got Texas and Oklahoma coming. This is, I think, the most powerful conference from up to down when you factor in all of the sports in the country. Um, you know, you look at what LSU has done in women's basketball. Um, there's just so many things to discuss with Greg Sankey. And that's going to be the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo Wireless. That's coming up on December 12th. Then December 19th, Griggs, this is always one of our most anticipated shows of the year. It's the top 10 sports business stories of 2023. You and I will count down that list. We're happy to take input. From our audience, if you want to reach out to us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio or on Twitter at SB Radio or I guess X at SB Radio. But uh, that's a heck of a lineup as we finish off 2023. And, you know, I could make a really good argument that Adam Silver is one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful commissioners in pro sports. And I could make a very strong argument that Greg Sankey is the most powerful commissioner in collegiate sports. To have those two on in consecutive weeks, that's going to be wonderful for our listeners. Yeah, what a great way to close out this year for sure. And uh, some great listening here end of November into December. So yeah, keep it locked on SBR and all platforms because there's some fun stuff coming up. I can't wait for Adam Silver. He's always great. And we're going to start doing more with our YouTube channel as well. Um, so pay attention to our YouTube channel. Um, you can Google Sports Business Radio YouTube, or you can just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and, and all of our links are there. Obviously, we're on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and podcast platforms everywhere. But Griggs, this is going to be a great way to finish off the year. 
I'm excited about these two conversations today. And, uh, you know, happy Thanksgiving late to our listeners. I know we had a vault show uh, last week with late NBA commissioner David Stern. So to go from that show too, if you haven't listened to that, that was 90 minutes in New York in 2016. One of my favorite all-time interviews that we've ever done in you know 19 years of doing this. To listen to that and then pivot into the December 5th podcast with Adam Silver, that's pretty much all things NBA for the last 40 years, Greg. Yeah, for sure. And that David Stern interview, it's so cool to go back to 2016 with him and listen to that stuff and how many things he talked about have happened. Like he he was at the right. crystal ball. He had the ball there. I mean, it's like he's telling us what's going to happen. And most of it has happened since that 2016 interview. So that's pretty cool to see. Yeah. Now the fact that he's not with us anymore, I cherish that conversation even more. I mean, it's, it's something that will live on um, forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anytime you can have someone like that share their life story and their wisdom, uh, the decisions they made. And like you said, foreshadowing the future, yeah. like he did in 2016, pretty interesting. I would imagine with Adam Silver and Greg Sankey, um, they might be foreshadowing some things in the future as well. So uh, those will be great conversations to pay close attention to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing Adam Silver's take on the in-season tournament because I'm uh, I've been watching it and it's uh, it's been fun to see and just the courts and we've talked about it before, but I'm curious to hear his opinion on how it's going and what he thinks about it too. All right. Happy holiday season to all of our listeners. Coming up next, Alice Milligan, the Chief Marketing Officer for Morgan Stanley. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Talent, hard work, focus, and determination got you here. Now take the right steps to prepare for your future and ensure that you stay at the top of your game, your business, your craft. Morgan Stanley Sports and Entertainment is a division of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management dedicated to serving the unique and sophisticated needs of elite and professional athletes, entertainers, executives, creators, and other top talent and professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. They deliver the education, strategies, and expertise you need to help advance your financial game plan at every stage of your career journey. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash G-S-E. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Alice Milligan. She's the Chief Marketing Officer for Morgan Stanley. As the CMO of Morgan Stanley, Alice oversees the firm's global brand strategy and go-to-market platform, encompassing all marketing campaigns, sponsorship assets, and digital properties. She's a key member of the firm's leadership team and is leading significant marketing transformation to help propel Morgan Stanley into the future as a prosperous house of brands following the acquisition of brands like Solium Capital, Eaton Vance, and E-Trade. Prior to her current role, Alice was EVP and Chief Customer Officer for E-Trade, where she oversaw the firm's brand, marketing, retail products, digital customer experience, and analytics. Previously, Alice was the Chief Digital Client Experience Officer for Citi's U.S. Consumer Bank, where she reimagined the end-to-end strategy, design, and delivery of the bank's digital channels. 
She also garnered more than 25 years of increasingly senior marketing and digital experience at leading brands like American Express, Coach, and AT&T. Alice, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation. I want to let our listeners know a few things before we get started. First of all, Morgan Stanley has managed my personal wealth portfolio for many years. I want to shout out my Morgan Stanley financial advisor, Russ Dyer. Morgan Stanley, yeah, Morgan Stanley Global Sports Entertainment is the exclusive financial services partner of Sports Business Radio. And we collaborate with Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment to empower athletes and entertainers and to highlight financial literacy. So, you know, I've got a vested interest in Morgan Stanley. It has helped me so much over the years. But Alice, before we start talking about Morgan Stanley, you have a really interesting career path and Mm -hmm. personal journey. When you were 12, you had a newspaper route, you were working in a pharmacy, you worked as a camp counselor. And then at 19, you took your savings and kind of went out on your own. Let's start with you sharing your, your personal journey, if that's okay. Yeah, Brian, and that that's great. And and you've got a lot of it. I um, you know, I was very industrious uh as a youth, tried to do as much as I could, you know, sort of learned early on the importance of setting a goal and a vision and saving for that goal and vision. Um, I, you know, sort of come from a dysfunctional family, so knew pretty early on that my main goal was to get out on my own and and sort of live on my own. So I saved up for that at 19. I moved out. Started as an administrative assistant at AT AT&T, and then pretty quickly after I started in that role, realized I wanted to do a bit more in terms of my career and opportunities. And so I went back to school at night and got my undergrad and my master's degree uh, over the course of about a decade while working full time and getting promoted. So uh, learned a lot about prioritization and time management and all the things required to balance all those you know, sort of balls in the air at one time. Um, I was promoted and, and did probably a lot of general management work at at and just figuring out what I wanted to do. I started out in HR, did, you know, reward and recognition, org design, all of those things, staffing, recruiting, reward, um, uh, and, uh, organizational um, alignment. And then from HR, I went into product marketing. I ran a PL, I was in sales, marketing, um, and just the gamut. And once I got my degree, I went to um, American Express since I determined I really wanted to be in marketing. Uh, and that was at the time, one of the best firms I could think of for a marketer. And I was there for probably the majority of my career, about 15 years. Um, and managed all sorts of functions from marketing to technologies to digital um, to rewards uh, programs like membership awards. And then when I left there, I went to coach for a quick period of time, uh, city for about five years doing digital client experience and marketing, and then ultimately E-Trade, which was purchased by Morgan Stanley. And that's how I ended up as the CMO of Morgan Stanley. I mean, what an incredible journey. Um, what are some of your key learnings from your, your journey so far? Yeah, you know, first thing uh, I often tell people is, and and this is something someone very early in my career said to me, be the CEO of your calendar. 
Mm. Um, your time is one of your most valuable and precious resources, as well as one that you can control a bit more than some of the others. And so being really focused on where you spend your time, ensuring you know the meetings that you have are focused on the biggest goals and drivers of the firm and your uh, team's success. And um, you know, almost being a little overly rigorous in terms of who gets on there and why they get on there and what their objective is so that you can determine if it's something you need to be at or if you can delegate it. Um, so that would be the first thing. And I probably learned that through all the school and working and, and getting promoted while doing all of that. Um, the next thing was thinking just through um, your willingness and ability to take smart and calculated risks. And an example of that, I'd say, is I learned when I left at and uh, when I left American Express, I was one of the top, you know, five percent of women at the firm. I was running all of their digital marketing and experiences, so AmericanExpress.com, mobile apps, globally, and I really loved the job. But when I thought about what the next steps for me, I felt like I really wasn't being challenged. I felt like I was contributing probably more than I was getting back in terms of personal growth and learning at that point in time. And so I said, you know, let me try something completely new. Let me go into retail. And um, someone told me, ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? If you're willing to accept that, then go for it. And so I said, what's the worst that could happen? I don't like it or they don't like me. I can live with that. And so I went to... Um, into retail. And I found out within the first 30 days that I did not like it. Mm. Um, so the worst that could happen did happen. But you know what? I learned a ton um, about database marketing, marketing, customer relationship marketing, the retail business and industry, what the levers were, the metrics, what was important. And that served me very well when I went back into financial services because I now had retail banking responsibility, and, and there's a lot of sim similarities between in-person retail banking and retail um, in terms of merchandising and customer engagement. So it was a great experience that taught me a lot about what I liked, what I didn't like, and what I was good at and what I wasn't good at. And so that's helped inform my um, future career. And then I'd say the final thing is really focusing on and leaning into what you're most passionate about in your jobs. We spend a lot of time at work. Um, and so really understanding, and most times that translates into what you're good at, but really understanding what makes you tick and what makes you excited about going to work and finding roles that have those elements in it. Because if you do that, you're going to be successful in those roles. All right, I want to go back to something you just said because I'm I'm just interested in someone with your schedule. Do you have a life hack for managing your calendar and your time? Um, let's see. Well, I have a one pager that I give to all my um admins about like the rules of the road for my calendar. Okay. So some of the rules of the road are I try and make sure that I block time before 9 a.m. in the morning. And from four o'clock on in the afternoons. Um, and then on Fridays, it's it tends to be more like two o'clock on. And that's the time I use to catch up on emails and make sure that I'm weighing in on all the things I need to do. 
uh, to review deck strategy documents, et cetera, and provide feedback to my team or to colleagues and partners to do competitive work and understand what's happening competitively so that I can think more strategically about we do what we do as an organization. And then also, I tend to feel like you get some of your best knowledge and ideas by just being a customer yourself. Hmm. So I'll use that time also to go on to our digital experiences and kind of click through links and read articles and stories, interact with my account, as well as our competitors to see what's working, what's not working, um, how could it be easier and get insights in that way. And I, you know, there's never been a time I've done that where I haven't either found an issue um, or found a thought or an idea about a better way to do something. And then the final thing I do during that time is also go through and think about the experiences that I find best in sort of best in breed across industries, and then bring those back to my team to talk about like why they're so good and is there an application for us in how we think about the client experience as well. I love those things. Thank you for for sharing those. I'm sure our audience will find them valuable. Okay. You've worked for some iconic brands, as we've just discussed. This is a broad question, but what's the keys to building a trustworthy brand? You know, I think there's a few things. And the the primary thing is really about authenticity. Um, You know, each of these brands have, you know, most firms, uh, especially larger corporations, have things like, you know, what are our core values as a firm? How do we operate? How do we serve our clients and how is that differentiated from our competitors? And so really understanding those elements about what your brand is about and then being authentic in how you depict those to the public is really important because people can tell very easily when what you say doesn't match what you do. Mm. Um, And so that element of ensuring that there is synergy between what you do and what you say to the audience is important. Um, The next thing I would say is being a firm with purpose. In today's world, you know, firms do uh, well by doing good and consumers are looking for brands that have similar values to their own. And, And you can't really hide that. You have to be transparent in what's important to you as a firm. So if you think about what we've been doing as a brand over the course of the last two years, you know, our partnerships with the Women's Tennis Association and really getting behind women's sports. Uh, our brand ambassador, Leila Fernandez, bringing her on. She's, you know, 19 year old. She's uh, Ecuadorian and um, Filipino descent. And so there's a whole bunch of elements to her story that were very consistent with our brand and our desire to help take a broader group of people and give them access to financial services in new and different ways. And so just thinking about ways you can bring that to life is important for a brand. Uh, and then the, the the final thing I would say is the, the world is always changing and evolving. And so you as a firm have to change and evolve with the world. But there is an element of respecting the legacy and the the history that you have that's important 
to sort of bringing that firm and modernizing that firm into the future. And so when we launched our brand campaign that launched earlier this year, Old School Grit, Old School Grit, New World Ideas, that was all about that. Like the fact that consumers felt there's a binary choice in financial services. It's either the old uh, that has, you know, trust and history and has stood the test of time, safe, secure, keeps my information private, or the new, innovative, you know, unique ideas, different, digital, but doesn't have that history. We as a firm with the purchase of uh, E-Trade and Eaton Vance and Parametric and the legacy of Morgan Stanley bring both of those things together. And so how do you talk about that in the right way that respects the past, uh, but recognizes and has a vision for the future? Yeah. And the thing that's a challenge with marketing a financial services brand, as I see it, is it's one thing to say, hey, uh, I'm marketing coach, a retail. People are trusting you with their money. I'm trusting yeah. Morgan Stanley with my money. I can't think of anything more than other, you know, maybe your family, where you're trusting someone more than by giving them your money and saying, help me maximize this. So I, I love what you guys are doing there by you know, the old school trust, but we're also utilizing the modern tools today to you know show that we're not just the, the old stuffy organization. Yep, yep. And I think you, know, you bring out an interesting point, Brian, because the other thing we heard through the research that we did. And when we were looking at the brand campaign and our brand strategy, we did extensive research and spoke to over 10,000 employees, clients, and prospects of the firm. And, you know, there were two things that came out of that, that your point really hits on, which the first was most um, clients had a vision for where they wanted to go, right? Like what they wanted to do, why they felt, you know, having financial security was important, um, whether it's, you know, buying a new home or retirement or putting their children through college, whatever that goal was, they had a vision and they felt like they had generally a path to get to that vision, but they felt they needed a partner to work with them to sort of take it to the next level, right? To talk to them about the things they didn't know, um, you know, tax strategies and some complexities that maybe you don't have a full vision for, but you need a really strong partner. And that was common, whether you were an individual investor, you were an institution, an employer, there was that element of, I need a partner who helps me take it to the next level and tells me about the things I don't know. Um, and so we really focused on that. The second was people didn't necessarily want someone to tell them what to do with their money um, or to do things with their money, um, but they wanted a partner to collaborate with so that they got smarter, um, that they still had a hand in what was going on, whether that was a digital application or human interaction, they still wanted to be part of the process and understand what was happening. And so collaboration became a really big piece of our strategy because that's a core value and a way we operate at the firm with each other. So it was a really easy translation to say, you know, we're about collaborating and bringing these assets to a broader audience than we have in the past. Everyone should have access 
to good information, education, empowerment, advice, um, and the like. So Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, a division of Morgan Stanley, is soon turning 10 years old. And Mm -hmm. I met Sandra L. Richards a couple of years ago, and we just hit it off. And Yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. And I have a lot of empowered athletes on this show, people who are their own athlete CEOs. And, you know, there was this narrative for a long time the broke athlete and the dumb jock. And, you know, Sandra and I said, let's change this narrative. And what you guys are doing to provide financial literacy and to really showcase the empowered athlete like Layla Fernandez, or I know you guys have done some work with Chris Everett and Larry Fitzgerald and Justin Rose. And like, these are athlete CEOs. Maybe you can talk a little bit about how you're using sport and entertainment to reach a new audience. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because we've been working with the Women's Tennis Association to really build out a robust uh, program for the athletes. Mm -hmm. And um, it has a couple of elements. One, there's just the sponsorship component that we're doing. The second is really a giving back component. And we work with them and partner with them on Come Play events, which is about giving athletes uh, in all communities and of all abilities the opportunity to play the game of tennis. Um, And then the third piece was financial empowerment and how could we bring that to life for um, the women athletes. And to your point, it's not about being, you know, a dumb jock or that type of thing. It's a matter of many of these athletes have, you know, are dedicated to their sport and have spent many hours and much of their life really focusing on honing their craft. And then they get to a point where now they're starting to earn money as a result of that um, while they're still in the thick of honing their craft. And so it's like, how do you provide them with the right tools to be smart about the dollars that they're making so that they can focus on the game? Also, if they are successful, they can potentially earn more money than maybe generations of their family have. And and so they don't have that background or support system that could help guide them. Um, And so we wanted to really create a a program that could help enable that in different ways. So we launched a program called What Moves You? And it's really about empowerment for the athletes, both on and off the court. Uh, It has three key pillars. One is about advice. And so, you know, if you need help, we have advice and advice tools for you. The second is around education. And so we've got video and podcasts and webcasts and classes that the athletes can attend to just educate themselves about finances, what questions to ask. You know, how do I select an advisor? How do I think about, you know, sort of taxes when I'm earning money in different countries and different states? And then the final one was um, really interesting that came out through research, which is about leadership. So you alluded to this, Brian, but, you know, these these athletes are sort of CEOs of their own sort of Mm -hmm. firm, right? Their firm right now is them, but they have to hire trainers and they have to hire advisors and accountants and all these people. And so we're building out this leadership element that helps them think about how do I build a team? You know, what are the questions to ask? How do I interview people? How do I select people? How do I um, start to save? 
How do I become an investor? How do I open or start my own foundation? Because many of the athletes want to give back and do some charitable work. How do you start that foundation? How do you build it? All of those things. And that's what the program is really about. Um, And we're excited about uh, continuing to evolve it and the reception it's gotten so far from the players, the coaches and their families. And I love that you're doing all this. And it's amazing. I mean, just in the last year or so, it used to be, okay, when the athlete turns pro, that's when they start earning money. Now you have name, image, and likeness. High school athletes can participate in NIL in some states in the United States. So you could be a high school student. That's why I love your story. You know, at age 12, you've got a paper route and you're, you're starting to think about managing your money. It's getting younger and younger for people to start thinking about this. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing with athletes is, you know, and probably to some extent, all of us, but probably athletes a little bit more, things could change, you know, in a heartbeat, right? If they get injured, um, you know, there's all sorts of elements. And so how are you prepared for those times? And how do you think about like, what's my whole you know, sort of next generation in life. If, if, you know, even at the top of my game, if my game ends by 40, I've got a lot of time, you know, to think about what's my next, my next great thing. Uh, and this helps them really be prepared. Talk a little bit about uh, women in financial services. And I mean, you're a great example, but this is also something that we've seen a lot of growth with. Yeah. You know, I think it, for, for any industry um, or area where you know sort of you are one of a few, it it takes a lot of perseverance, uh, hard work, and and determination and confidence to be successful. Um, and you know, if I think about financial services, there's been tremendous um, growth and gains over the years in just in thinking about my career alone and in women being at the top, you know, Morgan Stanley, our CFO is a female, um, we've got strong representation, uh, people of color, um, on our operating committee and, and things when I started my career, you, you know, they didn't exist, you know, Jane Fraser, CEO of Citibank. So I think there's been a lot of progress. Um, you know, I would say, you know, as a person in the space, it's always important to realize um, and represent yourself in a confident way, uh, recognize your strengths and your contributions. I think as women, many times we tend to um, want or strive for perfection before we're really ready to talk about, you know, what we've done and accomplished. And I think sort of not looking at it as perfection, but that you know, you did your best and what's your best and talk about your best. Um, you know, I think the other element is always paying it forward um, and making sure that you are helping to groom the next generation of female leaders. And for us in Morgan Stanley, one of the things we did, you know, after talking to a lot of our employees, we um, launched an interesting partnership. The first that we had done as a firm in our history, a fashion partnership. Uh, with Rebecca Minkoff. And that was looking at, you know, what are some of the, you know, there's, there's overt symbols of um, that you're different when you're a woman in financial services. And then there's some 
kind of covert type of symbols. And one of those symbols was the banker bag. And it sort of was this canvas duffel bag that all the guys on Wall Street would have over their shoulder. And so we wanted to flip that on its ear a little bit. And we worked with Rebecca Minkoff to create, you know, this banker bag uh, that was really uh, about the next generation of women on Wall Street um, and something, a symbol that, you know, sort of we could get behind. And I'll tell you, the employee response was remarkable. We originally worked with Rebecca and we were going to have about 450 bags produced. Our wait list was 850 bags. Wow. Um, so it was like, you know, almost double. And it's still flying off the shelf because people were saying, you know, this is amazing. I feel like I've been seen, I've been heard. You know, it's a small thing, it's a bag, but it just shows and symbolizes a change uh, that you're important. And so um, I think we've tried to do a lot of that through the course of the last year or two. Yeah. And I, again, I look at someone like Sandra Richards and, and what she does and what a strong leader she is for your global sports and entertainment division. Yeah. Um, what do you see from that division going forward? Again, turning 10, like what would your hope be for what that division continues to evolve into? Yeah, I mean, I think Sandra, to your point, she's amazing. She's really been a great role model and leader. Um, and, you know, I, I would say continuing to do a lot of what they've been doing, you know, groundbreaking um, programs for the athletes working with previous athletes who are well-respected and who have been successful and have been on the journey and sort of bringing those, bringing them to the forefront, connecting them uh, with current athletes, as well as our clients to enhance networking, share their stories. You know, as a marketer, I think storytelling is such an important um, aspect of anything that you do, because that's when people can start to say, Hey, wow, I, I, you know, part of that story resonates with me. Um, and if that person can do it, I can do it. And, and that's what it's all about, right? If you can see it, you can be it. And so I think what Sandra's doing, how she's working with the college athletes, how she's working with the professional athletes, um, you know, the advisors and the programs that they're putting together, I just see more and more of that. She's quite innovative. Um, and and has done a tremendous amount in the sports arena. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you guys both went to Seton Hall, right? We did. We did. Yeah. All right. Good school there. Turned out the two of you, that is a good school. We're both pirates. All right. All right. Before I let you go, I listened to another interview you did and you said you are a fan of football, boxing, and fishing. And I was like, yes. wow, okay, football. Yeah. Boxing, I was surprised in fishing. Like, give me some insight here. How did you become fans of those three sports? Yeah. So um, you know, I I would say I have a long history in boxing. So um wow. it's interesting. My great grandfather was a boxer. Um, and so we had this like old sort of umber colored uh picture that was in my my childhood home of him in his boxing gloves. And my brother did some amateur, you know, golden glove boxing and things like that. We used to have this little TV that we would put on our kitchen table and watch, you know, wide world of sports and different um, boxing matches that would come on that. And then uh, when I met my husband, he was also a big boxing fan. So I think one of our 
first dates was watching a Mike Tyson fight, um, which was amazing. And what's been interesting is it's really served me well in um, business as well, because for a while at City, part of my team was the digital team at City Banamex in Mexico. And I remember meeting the head of the um, card product and retail bank of Banamex. And he was from Culiacan, Mexico, where um, Julio Cesar Chavez was from. And so when he said that, I was like, oh, Chavez. And he was like, you know, Chavez. And we went down this whole path of boxing. And so uh, it's really helped me bond and build rapport with people that maybe I wouldn't traditionally uh, find it easy to do. Um, So that's my history with boxing. Football, I am a beleaguered Jets fan. Uh, but still have faith, uh, go green uh, in the team. Was sad to see Aaron Rodgers uh, out the first four plays of the game, um, but have been a long football fan. And then fishing, I love deep sea fishing. So we do that whenever we go on vacation uh, and can do it, my husband and I. And then for years before his father passed away, my my father-in-law used to go. Where's your spot for deep sea fishing? Um, you know, some of the best deep sea fishing we've done has been in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Ooh, very nice. I caught a um, sailfish and my husband caught a 250 pound marlin. How long did that take to get on board? Oh, my God, it was so funny, too, because <laughs> it took him like two and a half hours. <laughs> and about, about an hour, about a half hour in, I was like, come on, what the hell? Real thing in, you know, like <laughs> I was like, you can't, why are you taking this so long? You're a big guy. Cause he's about six, three, 210 pounds. And it turned out the fish was bigger than him. Oh my gosh. That is a great story. <laughs> Alice Milligan, the chief marketing officer for Morgan Stanley. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on sports business radio. Just love your story personally and what you're doing at Morgan Stanley, big fan. And, and like I said, personally invested in, uh, what you guys are doing. So thank you so much for all of your expertise. Great. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being a client. We appreciate your business. I know you have a choice that I'm glad you choose us. Absolutely. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives And the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. 
That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Leela Serenivas, and she is the CEO of Parity. They are doing some incredible work. We wanted to shine a spotlight on them today. Leela, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Let's start off our audience on explaining the mission of Parity. For sure. Yep. Parity's mission is to close the gender, income, and opportunity gap in professional sports. And the way that we do that is we partner with brands like Microsoft, Morgan Stanley, of course, our mutual friends, uh, Strava, uh, many others. And we bring those brands together with athletes uh, and their fans and create high-impact campaigns, collaborations, other ways to put those athletes to work on behalf of the brands. Yeah, you've got 850 women athletes, over 70 sports. Like you said, you're working with uh, great companies like Morgan Stanley. One of the things that you're doing too is really providing financial literacy and education around that. So when women who are athletes or women who are working in sports come into some money, they know what to do and how to manage that, right? Yeah. In fact, we just, uh, we're, we're coming to the tail end of a campaign that we've been running with Morgan Stanley um, called Money in the Making. And their team is really, uh, I think, forward thinking around how to engage athletes and telling the story to the future generation of creators um, who are, you know, need, need to make d- good decisions about their, their finances. Uh, so we've had a campaign running now over the last, uh, last several months where um, athletes from a wide range of sports are uh, basically sharing their own financial stories and, uh, you know, what matters to them, how they make decisions, and really partnering with Morgan Stanley to just help creators everywhere make better financial decisions. It looks like, according to your research that you guys have done, um, 77% of fans stated that witnessing women athletes promoting a product frequently or occasionally influences their purchasing decisions. Furthermore, 85% have agreed that a brand support and involvement in women's sports positively impacts their purchasing decisions. Those are great numbers. They are. You've done your homework, Ryan. Um, yeah, I mean, we, 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 to be honest, we weren't surprised by this based on what we know about athletes. So as you said, we work with, I think it's actually now over 900. So the number continues to tick up month on month. And these athletes are from a very wide range of sports. And um, their followings range from sort of the micro influencer level, um, you know, 10,000 followers or so all the way up through um, sort of mega influence. Um, but what we notice with these athletes is when people are following athletes, um, you know, sometimes with smaller, more, more focused uh, followers, those followers are really, really passionate about the athlete. They care tremendously about the athlete, you know, how they're succeeding or faring on the court or on the course, but also the decisions that they're making off the court, off the course, you know, what products are they using? What matters to them? What are their principles? Uh, and so, so it was uh, not surprising to us to see that athletes can be incredibly influential in that purchase decision as, uh, as their fans are um, just kind of engaging with their content. So if I'm a woman athlete or I'm a brand, and I want to get involved with what you're doing, what's the best way for people to do that? Uh, very straightforward. Go to our website, uh, paritynow.co. And um, there are different paths that you can follow. If you're an athlete, um, there's an onboarding process. Um, just be warned, we'll ask you probably 50 or 60 questions uh, to get started because I think what makes any campaign super successful 
is us being able to pair the right athletes with authentic stories that really map into the brand. And so it's really important that we get to know the athletes, uh, not only, of course, uh, everything about their sporting uh, past, but also what causes do they care about? Are they parents? Are they gamers? Uh, you know, do they own pets? There are all sorts of different angles that we can explore with brands. So that's straightforward. Uh, and then with brands, we're here to brainstorm, basically. We love to we love to ideate and create with our brands and think about how athletes can can really shine a spotlight and bring uh, bring just bring an extra amount of sizzle to any sort of campaign that, that a brand is running. From where you sit, how are we doing with the overall growth in women's sports? I mean, I see the NWSL just signed a $240 million media rights deal. That certainly is a step in the right direction. But how are we doing overall? It's a great question. I mean, this this year has felt like a real almost like watershed year, I would say, just in terms of the the steps forward that we seem to have taken, especially in the major sports. Um, so, you, you know, I mentioned the, the the big media deal in soccer that everyone's talking about right now. There have been some major strides made in sports like golf as well. And then you look at uh, the college uh, athletes, athletic scene and, and just college athletes really starting to make their mark through NIL. You look at the viewership figures for college volleyball and college basketball and some of the stars that are coming up and really creating waves. So there's lots of positive momentum, I would say. Um, but, I, you know, I think the thing I would, I would uh, just be real about is there's still such a long way to go especially when, like parity, you look across the long tail of sports. Our athletes span every sport you can think of from archery to weightlifting and everything in between. And, um, you know, it, it's one thing to say, yes, and, you know, in women's soccer in the US, we've seen tremendous strides. We've got, you know, pay equity. There's a lot more respect. And I think that a lot more that the women have very successfully campaigned for. That's a real inspirational story for, for athletes everywhere. But the minute you look to this longer tail of sports, the minute you look outside the US, you start to see that, uh, you know, inequity is left, right and center. And so I'd say very, very uh, successful year in terms of moving the ball forward and creating more, more equity and more places for women athletes. But we still have a very long way to go. And if you believe the, the most recent figures, maybe we're still around the 10% or less of sports sponsorship dollars that go toward uh, women athletes. I think that I think the, the average uh, in the sector is about 9% of, of a corporate brand sponsorships going to uh, on the women's side of sports. So that there's tons of room for improvement. Tons of room for improvement. Um, you know, I've had Sue Bird and Maria Sharapova and Candace Parker on and, you know, it wasn't, it was a couple of years ago, they were talking about that number was at 4%. So it's better, but it still has a long way to go. And we talk a lot on this show that if you want to invest in anything in sports right now, women's sports is a great investment across the board. I, I agree with that. And as a, a coming into this role at Parity, I was a three-time CMO. So I've, you know, I've certainly spent my fair share of time looking at sports uh, partnerships, investing in sports marketing. And um, I, I sort of kick myself now for not having given women athletes and women's sports opportunities a closer look. And especially when you, when you think about just the, the economy uh, that we're, we're facing right now, where I know budgets are crunched. I've talked to enough marketing executives in the last several weeks to know we're in that budget season right now. And and, you know, yeah. people are going to have to be very creative with their budgets and they will find that their budgets go a lot further and can do a lot more interesting and creative things when they take the time to explore women's sports. Because I think there are fewer opportunities historically. Women are historically have not been paid, paid as much. And so you find that the participants are just really creative or very eager to lean in and, and work with brands, work with sponsors and come up with really winning campaigns. Yeah, that's great. Something else that's huge on the horizon, another opportunity 
for women. The Summer Olympics are coming up next year in Paris. And, you know, it seems like every time the Olympics roll around, the brands have their chosen athletes that they want to work with. And I still think of someone like Lindsey Vaughn, who's been on with us. And, you know, she's such a household name now. And she made her name through the Olympics and through the brands that she worked with through the Olympics. What are you seeing with the Olympics on the horizon? <laughs> yeah, well, um, I, I think brands are, it, it's funny, I see, I see sort of like a polarized uh, sort of approach to the Olympics and Paralympics. On the one hand, you've got brands that are deeply invested there, have been, you know, have done multiple cycles of Olympics and understand the power and are willing to, to, to invest very heavily in Olympics. Uh, and they've been thinking about this for a long time. Uh, you know, this is, this is uh, the Paris is right around the corner. They know it and they're, they're well prepared and they're all set up. Then you've got everyone else who doesn't have that level of uh, familiarity or history with Olympics. And when they think Olympic and Paralympic marketing, they think mega price tags and they're sort of scared off by the whole concept. And they think, well, there's probably nothing that I can do to, to hang my hat on this event. But uh, you know, we have a very different perspective at Parity. I believe our roster includes almost 250 Olympians and Paralympians. And there's nothing to preclude brands from working with, partnering with, uh, those Olympic hopefuls and Paralympian hopefuls and uh, contenders in the run up to the Olympics um, just by partnering directly with the athletes. So we're definitely engaged in a lot of conversations with brands right now who are looking for great ambassadors who know that these athletes are going to be in the spotlight in the coming months. And they're ready to, take, to, to capitalize on that relationship and just tell great stories in partnership with those athletes. Yeah, that's great. All right. You guys recently had Parity Week. and. Um, Billie Jean King, Annika Sorenstam, Lynn St. James, some legends were a part of that. Tell us more about that event. Brian, my head is still exploding from Parity Week. It was, <laughs> it was such an honor and such an incredible opportunity. So, you know, all credit goes to GameBridge, our sister company. This was Parity Week by GameBridge. Okay. And, uh, GameBridge, uh, for those who don't know, is an insure tech company, uh, direct to consumer. And uh, they, I believe the majority of their customers are actually women which is part of the reason why um, they have been a leader in investing in uh, women's sports. So today, I, you know, we, we were talking saying 9 or 10% is the average, uh, you know, of a sports marketing uh, budget that, that goes toward women's sports. Gabridge invests 40% of its budget. Wow. In budget. Yeah. So they're, they're well ahead of the game. I uh, credit Dan Tyrus and his team. Dan Tyrus being the CEO of uh, parent company Group 1001. He's unbelieved in, in sports marketing. He knows it's the right thing to do. And he's also savvy. He understands this is a great opportunity. So GameBridge uh, chose this week because uh, they were uh, the title sponsor at the Annika, uh, which was the, at the Pelican, which uh, was the, the LPGA event, um, as well as of the Billie Jean King Cup in Sevilla, Spain. So that's the World Cup of Tennis for women. It's the Davis Cup equivalent. And uh, they were also sponsors of the Women with Drive Summit, uh, which was a mobile one. A sponsored event in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and they actually facilitated a live stream so anybody anywhere in the world could could chime in. And uh, where where Parity came in, aside from just being sort of like the namesake or the uh, around the the week itself, we deployed seventy five athletes um, throughout the week from ev like tons of different sports, uh, ranging from bobsledding to to weightlifting. Uh, we had uh, about twenty five athletes on scene at these different events doing, uh, you know, signing autographs and uh, interacting with the crowds and part of the golf clinics at the Annika and so forth. Uh, we had another 50 or so that were deployed online to amplify the message around the power and the importance and the 
uh, of, of investing in women's sports. And so it was an incredibly hectic week juggling 75 uh, women athletes across these different deployments. I myself was in Phoenix, then Florida, uh, then in, in Sevilla as well. And, wow. Uh, yeah, it was quite a, quite, a, quite a ride, I will tell you. But uh, I can also say just how thrilling it was to be able to speak with Annika and speak with Billie Jean and Lynn about their commitment um, to amplifying women's sports, about working together across sports to create more traction. And that's something that I think we're all eager to lean into in future years. So in summary, very hectic, uh, but successful week. And I think it's safe to say that was the inaugural. So maybe stay tuned for, for details of what will come next year. Well, that's wonderful. And I'm sure those athletes that were there to be able to learn from iconic women like Billie Jean and Annika and Lynn. I mean, wow, that, that must have been a real incredible life-changing experience for them. I think so. Yeah. I mean, uh, Annika, I mean, I, I, I just have so much admiration for all three of these ladies, but the uh, organizers of the event have chosen for the last few years to run a women's leadership summit, uh, basically at this event. And Annika keynoted that this year and just shared very openly about her career. She had a couple of golfers from the Annika Foundation who um, were participating in the, in the, the, the tournament itself. I believe 55 graduates of her foundation who come through the ranks of her golfing uh, golfing foundation were actually competitors in the event. So it just stands, uh, you know, stands as a tribute to what an influence she's had on the sport. So the crowd was hanging on her every word. Of course, everywhere Billie Jean goes, she's, she's a legend. She just has so much wisdom to share. And so there was a panel on Sunday in Sevilla, which featured uh, Billie Jean King alongside Arancha Sanchez Vicario and Conchita Martinez. So wow. I lost count of the number of Grand Slams they have between them. But again, just hearing these incredibly accomplished women athletes share their le lessons learned, how they see the landscape evolving, what still needs to happen mm -hmm. in strive for quality. It was, uh, it was really inspirational stuff. All right. Before I let you go, um, our audience is always interested in the path that the CEO took to get to where they are. So Maybe just take a, a couple minutes and share the path that led you to parody. Oh, goodness. Well, uh, it was not linear and not necessarily <laughs> deliberate, if, uh, if I can be honest with you. So I've had the fortune of uh, spending uh, most of my career in tech marketing. So my, the last 13 years uh, prior to joining parity, I worked in a variety of tech companies, including LinkedIn, OpenTable. Um, I was a CMO at, at SurveyMonkey at a re recruiting uh, software company called Lever and then also a payments company called Checkout. And um, prior to that, I worked in uh, uh, management consulting at Bain. Before that, I was in sales. So I basically had this basket of uh, tricks that were really focused on the go-to-market side of, uh, of the business. And one thing I will say is I think CM the role of CMO prepares you pretty well, I think, for being CEO because you have such a broad vantage point. You work closely with every member of the C-suite on different, different, uh, you know, different aspects of the business. So very closely with HR on employee communications and employer branding, very closely with product uh, on all the, you know, just all the product offerings and, and the customer communication, closely with legal because there's so much tech involved in, in marketing these days and so much around privacy and everything else. Um, so, you know, I could go on and on across the, the C-suite. But um, so when Parity came to me, um, to see if I would be interested in the conversation, I kind of did a double take because I, I you know, I yes, I, I I guess I could see how my skills might be more broadly applicable, but 
the opportunity to work in sports to me was just something I hadn't really considered. And for as a lifelong fan of sports, I mean, I, I didn't progress beyond high school in tennis, but I love watching sports. I've, I've, I grew up watching every sport under the sun. And so it was just a, the right sort of right opportunity falling into my lap at the right time. And realizing that as we go on this next uh, next chapter uh, or next uh, leg of the journey at Parity, a lot of it is about just getting the word out, about helping the market understand how we can help and uh, just about getting more athletes paid. So uh, that's what brings me here. Yeah, that's an interesting path. And like you said, not a, not a straight line, but uh, that is really interesting. The point you bring up about, you know, being a CMO and working with everyone in the C-suite and kind of getting to know the different facets of the company and how it serves you well as CEO now. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I wish we saw more C- CMOs take this this path. I definitely would encourage encourage them to think about it. And uh, but as always, it, it you know it comes down to finding the right fit. And uh, I could not be more passionate about the mission of Parity, the journey that we're on, the athletes that we're supporting, um, the brands that we're working with who truly just get it. They understand. The business value, and also just the fact that this is a great uh, move for their for the business strategically and from a, a sort of branding perspective. So, all in all, I am uh, thrilled that I made the made the change. Yeah, I think the work that you guys are doing is very important, and it's wonderful. All right, before I let you go, I, I did my deep research on you, Uh-oh. and I found that you're a karaoke enthusiast. <laughs> Dang it! What yes. is your go-to karaoke song? Our audience needs to know. I, I, I can tell no lie. I am indeed a, a karaoke enthusiast. As anyone who's ever worked with me will know. I think it's probably a Blondie song. Okay. Um, if I can probably sing Heart of Glass best, but I probably perform Call Me better. So I'd go with Call Me by Blondie. Excellent. Well, I hope the time comes someday where I might get to see you perform that. Um, I also am a karaoke enthusiast, so um, I I have great respect for fellow karaoke enthusiasts. What is your go-to song? I would probably say uh, I can do good Neil Diamond. So any Neil Diamond songs, Sweet Caroline, Love on the Rocks, Coming to America, those types of of songs. Okay, I I feel a session coming on. (laughs) I I think so. I think at one of your parody weeks, maybe we need to have uh, karaoke there. I'll, I'll do my best to incorporate it, Ryan, and you will be invited if I do. Excellent. Leela Serenivasan, the CEO of Parity. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Hi, Brian Berger here from Sports Business Radio. Underdog Fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio and the fastest growing fantasy app. Underdog is a variety of daily and season-long fantasy games that you can play. Best Ball Mania has $15 million in pool prize money, and first place wins $3 million. You can play as many entries as you want, and once you draft your team, you sit back and enjoy. No lineup change is needed, and Underdog pulls your best performers and gives you those points. You never have to worry about leaving the wrong player on the bench again. Griggs and I will have our teams drafted for the upcoming NFL season, and this is a great way to enjoy all the upside of fantasy football without having to worry about maintaining your lineup each week. For daily fantasy, I love playing Pick'em and Rivals. With Pick'em, if I get five picks right, I can win 20 times my money. It's a fun way to do over-unders on player stats as well as pit players against each other. We've got a special offer 
for sports business radio listeners. New users get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR, like sports business radio. SBR is the code to use. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com or in your app store and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. Also, make sure to listen to my conversation on Sports Business Radio with Underdog Fantasy founder and co-CEO Jeremy Levine. He shares the unique story of how he founded Underdog Fantasy, and he has great insight into the future of daily fantasy and sports betting. Thanks to Underdog Fantasy for being the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.